Welcome to Your Daily Drive. I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this podcast, the podcast where we put our article content on our website in audio format so that you can listen on the run. The title of today's podcast is Mind Mapping a Lady with a Small God. This is a counseling session with my old friend Mabel. You've heard of Mabel if you have listened or read our content, Biff and Mabel. Well, Mabel has a small God. That's my term. That's my label I made up just to be culturally relevant. I say that Mabel has a small God disorder. And what I did is I mind mapped this thing. I will explain that in just a moment. But what I mean by a small God is that Mabel has been shaped. Uh, She's an adult now, and she has dysfunctional relationships. She has a hard time in her marriage. She has a hard time in other relationships because she has a small God. She is a Christian. She loves Jehovah. She has been regenerated, been born a second time. But she's not living in the fullest measure of what it means to be a uh, a disciple of Christ. And the big reason for that is because of the early shaping influences in her life. As a child, she had a father who was domineering, angry, manipulative, who withheld his love, and it had a profound impact on Mabel. She's not unlike A lot of people that you will meet, maybe you struggle this way as well. There is a tendency and even a temptation to map our experience with our earthly fathers over how we relate to our Heavenly Father. We can bring in a lot of baggage into our relationship with God that can skew how we relate to Him, and that's what Mabel has done, and that's why I say she has a a small God disorder. Now, what I did while I was counseling Mabel is I sketched out a mind map. I will do that on occasion, no rhyme or reason to that. It just depends if it's if if it's working that way. I will take out my iPad, and I will begin to sketch out what she is saying. And so as she was talking, I was sketching out these ideas, and I later came back to my office, and I turned it into a mind map, and I have a picture of this mind map. A mind map is just a—the macro is a collection of ideas that communicate a point, but the micro are these individual elements, these individual uh, parts to Mabel's life, and they all connect. They weave a web, a path that builds out a worship structure, how she currently worships. And so as she was talking, I was writing down these little elements, these labels, and I put it in a mind map. I flattened this counseling session out, by the way. Obviously, the individual is not called Mabel, and and a lot of the information has been changed, the historical information, but the, the biblical concepts are true. And because it's so uh, relevant to how many of us have been shaped and how we interact with God, I thought it would be helpful for uh, you to listen to the podcast. You can go on the website. You can read the article if you like. And, of course, you can share it with your friends. If you uh, are discipling people, and you're struggling or or you're discipling someone who struggles with self-reliance or independent, they want to do things their own way, do it themselves, 
they, they, it's hard for them to be weak, to be vulnerable, which is a huge aspect of the gospel. They also struggle with uh, fear, insecurity. They want to be accepted and approved. So if any of these tendencies are part of anyone that you are serving, this mind map in this article may be a huge benefit to you, and you're welcome to access it. Again, the title of the podcast and the article on the website, Mind Mapping a Lady with a Small God. If you want to ask questions about this, go on our website, rickthomas.net, jump on the forum. You can do that. We have a free community forum that you can ask your questions. Thank you for all those who have come thus far today. And for those that will come later on, thank you for jumping on the forum and asking questions. For those of you who support our ministry, thank you. You go to the private forum. Please do that. And there is a forum there that says talk directly to Rick and his team. You will get just us. That is part of what it means to be a supporting member. I haven't done this in a while. I did uh, yesterday. I called out uh, Selena and Shelly, or in my podcast that I did yesterday, and I thank them for becoming supporting members. And I thought, well, I haven't done this in a while, so I want to thank a few others. Dave, thank you for your $50 recurring membership. Bren, thank you for your $50 annual recurring membership. Lorraine, $50 a year. Ken, $50 a year. Thank you so much. Kim, thank you for your $10 monthly recurring uh, donation or supporting membership. Kathy, thank you for your $50 a year. Uh, then we have who we have here. Stephen, thank you for your $10 monthly recurring membership. Another Kathy at $5 a month. Then we have Daniel at $5 a month. Jason, $50 a year. Tara, $5 a month. Jesse, $50 a year. There's a few more. Let me do one more. Diane, thank you for $50 a year recurring membership. I want you to hear these names. I want you to know that there are real people that are providing this content to you. They are the backbone of this ministry. Those who value what we do and they say, hey, I want to help. I can give you $5 a month. I can do that much. I would love to do that or $50 a year or any other amount for that matter. But I want you to know that we know that we are aware of who you are and your generosity, your kindness to us, because you are helping a lot of people like Mabel, who has a small God disorder. The path to a small God begins in childhood. All of us are shaped by our parents for good or for bad. Usually it's a little of both. Sometimes it can be mostly bad, like in Mabel's situation. And when it is that way, it leads to self-reliant living. You become a self-sufficient individual, and anybody who is beholding to self-reliance will always have destructing relationships. They'll always struggle relationally, starting with their spouse. It will spill out into their children and then their other relationships within their inner circle. The way out of this type of dysfunction is possible, and that's what I want to share with you, the hope of the gospel and a little help from a few competent friends. This is why I was saying earlier that if you are discipling somebody, I want you to persevere. 
I want you to be patient. I want you to continue in the process because they need your help. We all need each other. As John Donne said in Meditation 17, no man is an island. We all are a part of the main, and the body of Christ needs each other, and we want to serve each other. It's why we do what we do. It's why our supporting members support. They want to be part of this activity that we have going on as we come alongside people around the world And so the path out of this kind of dysfunction, well, it begins with the gospel, continues with the gospel, it ends with the gospel, but God has called us to go out and make disciples, and it needs to happen in the context of community with a few competent friends. Now let me get into Mabel. We will start with how it all began. And then we'll work through this mind map, and again, I would love for you to get on the website and check out this mind map. It's really interesting, and I think it will help you. And, of course, the article, what I'm going to give you here are the explanatory notes. But Mabel has been struggling for years with massive doses of guilt and shame. She is painfully introverted, though she has learned to mask it well. People would see her and not realize Uh, that what they're looking at is a facade. It's not the real Mabel, as I've said in other places. They meet Mabel's representative, that person that we trot out into the culture or trot out into our community, hoping that people will like the representative because we're not so sure they will like the real thing, who I am in reality. And she has learned to mask herself by trotting out her representative and hiding behind her. Only her closest friends have any idea about the internal angst that rumbles in her soul. Eighteen years with a lazy, critical, mean-spirited father has left a mark on her soul that she has never been able to scrub away. And to compound matters, she has mapped her relationship with her dad over her understanding and experience with God the Father. This problem is common. Children only have one father, which makes him their earliest and most profound definition of a father. In situations like Mabel's, the description of a father is influential and confusing. She has always lived with the underlying message from her dad that there is something wrong with her to quote someone that we truly disdain, but appropriate in this context, Adolf Hitler said this, the most brilliant propagandist technique will yield no success unless one fundamental principle is born in mind constantly and with unflagging attention. And that's what happened to Mabel. There was one fundamental principle that was born into her mind constantly and with unflagging attention. Hitler also said it must confine itself to a few points and repeat them over and over. Here, as so often in this world, persistence is the first and most important requirement of success from the twisted mind of Adolf Hitler. And from this truth comes another principle that Hitler implemented. It went like this. If you tell a lie often enough, people will begin to believe it. And unfortunately, Mabel bought the lie that bled through her father's constant, or as Hitler said, constantly with unflagging attention. And that constant 
idea that was propagated over and over again is his disappointment with her. However it was said, however it was communicated, or even not communicated, but through or, or communicated through body language. Mabel finished her childhood years, year, entirely convinced that there was something wrong with her. Mabel perpetually dangled between what she could do to overcome what was wrong with her and total failure. And that's how she bounced. That was the tension. Boyfriends, body image issues, relational conflict made up a three-man tag team against her soul. Though she hoped to overcome this internal struggle, she always found herself on the mat, prostrated and defeated. You see her soul condition in the mind map that I have in this article here. And again, if you can make it to the website, to this particular article, Mind Mapping a Lady with a Small God, I'm going to try to unpack it to, uh, with you, for you, visually. Uh, but if you really want to do a deeper dive into this, go to this article and you can see the mind map and, and it will help you. Her God is small because of the oppressive fear that controls her. That's why she has a small God. Her fears have suppressed the truth of God out of her life. And though she became a believer during her teen years, the footprint her father planted on her soul skewed her view of God. The Lord was as intimidating as the other father in her life, and that is a huge problem. Her new Christian friends did not discern her deficient and controlling thought processes. If you don't make these things available, you can somewhat mask them. Not perfectly, but you can mask them well enough, and of course, People usually aren't that intrusive or discerning about what's going on in your life, and, and they can just see it as a quirk of nature. This is just who Mabel is. They can pass, pass on it rather than getting up in her business and trying to serve her as a compassionate and competent friend. They assumed that when Mabel was regenerated, all things would be new and that her past would lose its grip on her, this hope was a wrong assumption. She was born again, but she was not transformed internally. No person becomes untangled entirely from what is wrong with them at regeneration. Regeneration gets you in the door of salvation. It gets you into the door of the body of Christ. But the untangling process is progressive in nature. It happens over decades of cooperative effort with the Lord. Salvation gives you the equipment you need, all things pertaining to life and godliness, but it does not transform you into Christ-likeness, not at the beginning. Mabel could not thoroughly enjoy her newfound relationship with the Lord. In her mind, it was a bridge too far. Though she enjoyed a brief honeymoon with God, as things appeared to be better, it was not long before the old crippling fear began to dominate her thinking. And with this fear came guilt and shame, and regret, Mabel's mantra went like this. There's something wrong with me. And that mantra ran as an endless loop in her brain. It was a theme that captivated her thoughts and made her angry. 
The real source of her anger came from unmet desires to be liked, to be appreciated, to be approved, to be loved. Because she was not able to fulfill those desires, she lived in a low-grade boil that occasionally erupted onto others when they pushed her the wrong way. They never saw the low-grade boil because it was that subtle and it was underneath. But when things did not go her way and when she was pushed the wrong way, she did erupt. And people were like, whoa, wow, where did that come from? Well, it was always there. Mabel learned early that she could not rely on the Lord because she viewed him in a similar way that she experienced her father. She had no choice in her world, in her way of thinking but to figure out how to overcome her problems on her own. You read self-reliance into that statement. The self-sufficiency approach was far more palatable than trusting God, her father. She was saving herself through self-sufficiency, self-atoning practices. She bounced between five of them. Here are the five things that Mabel did that made her feel better about herself. When I say saved herself, I put that in quotation marks. This is self-atonement, which never works ultimately, but Mabel had a hard time trusting God, and so when you become self-sufficient as opposed to trusting in the all-sufficient one, You have to create your own worship structure, ways in which you can buoy yourself above the madness. Well, Mabel had five primary things. I want to walk through them so that you can get a better grasp of what I'm saying, but I'll give you the list first, and then we'll work through the list and how they worked out specifically with Mabel. They are, in no particular order, legalism, punishment, worry, fear, and self-hatred. That's how the real Mabel lived. Let's take legalism first. Mabel was perfectly fit for legalism. She was custom made to be a legalist. All she needed to know was the rules. Of course, she chose the rules, as all legalists do. If you start talking to a legalist, you'll learn that they have their own set of rules. A lot of them look like everybody else's rules, but then they will have their own peculiar ones because you pick your rules. And the reason you do that is because you want to make sure you can hit the mark. And so she chose the rules, which had to fall within her strengths. Read again, self-sufficiency the things she could do well. The legalists will always pick and choose the regulations they want to follow because failure is not an option for the performance-driven person. Mabel needed to be loved, accepted, and approved. A perfect match for legalism. And so she picked the rules, she hit all the marks, and she received love, acceptance, and approval. The second thing was punishment. Since it's not possible to be a perfect legalist, you can never hold that line perfectly all the time, 100% of the time. Plates are going to fall. You're going to make mistakes. You're going to do things wrong. And there has to be an explanation for occasional failure. Now, if if, if one of your idolatries is acceptance, approval, significance, love, respect, you're going to have a hard time admitting failure. And so Mabel typically blamed others for things that went wrong with her or with her relationships. She could not own her role in any dysfunctional situation because of her insatiable desire to be accepted. Anger, criticism, blaming, cynicism helped to insulate her from owning any failure, so she punished people. Legalism, 
gave her the love she craved. Punishment was how she vented on others when things went wrong because she could not admit her failures. The third is worry. Her constant companion was worry. Well, you can imagine that. It's hard being God for the day. I don't know if you ever tried being God for a day. I have. I've tried it on many occasions, sadly. And you just can't run the universe. You just can't run your own universe. I mean, obviously, of course, worry is going to be part of the package. Mabel played back every scene, every circumstance, every conversation and interaction in her mind. And the filter through which she played the tape was worry. It was a worry filter. Being positive and thinking the best of others was hard for her, which meant she would always shape her conclusions by the negativity that anxiety provides. Worry is the filter through which she sees life. And then the fourth Uh, The thing that I mentioned was fear. Mabel's underlying sin pattern was fear. If you were to stack up how things work out in Mabel's life, on the surface you'll see legalism, a person conforming to the rules. And that can really look great most of the time. And then underneath legalism you'll see punishment, which is her explanation and how she responded when things went badly. Underneath the punishment was this low-grade worry, her constant companion as she played back every scene, circumstance, conversation, and interaction. Up under the worry is fear. Mabel's underlying sin pattern was fear, which was born out of her functional unbelief, practical unbelief, not ontological unbelief. She is a Christian, But because she could not trust the Lord practically, functionally, in all matters of life, she became the modern definition of the unbelieving believer. As you you get a hint of this in Mark 9, 24, when the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. There are pockets of unbelief in all of our lives, not in a salvific sense, but in a sanctification sense. We want to fully trust the Lord 100% of the time, but that's hard to do. Hence the idea of the unbelieving believer. And because of this underlying sin pattern of fear that was in her life, it was hard for her to practically trust God in the functional day-to-day areas. Just like Adam before her, the choice to not trust the Lord in all things will lead you down a path of fear. Fear thrives in the heart of unbelief. And so underneath her worry, which was underneath the punishment, which was underneath the legalism, is fear. And then the fifth thing on the list that I gave you was self-hatred. She hated herself. Eventually, all of the complexities in her soul would gang up on her to where she could only find relief through punishing herself. This process was like a merry-go-round of idol swapping. She would have seasons of sleep, seasons of overeating, seasons of undereating, seasons of binge TV viewing. That's how she went through self-hatred, pummeling herself, going from idol to idol to idol because she couldn't escape this pattern of fear and worry and punishment and legalism. There was no consistent pattern. Other than atoning for her sins, this is what she's ultimately doing, by taking them out on herself, rather than allowing Christ to take her punishment. Remember, she struggled with her relationship with God the Father, and somebody had to pay for these sins. Her self-atoning worldview led to all sorts of solutions, in quotation marks, escapes, and results. I've already mentioned some of them in the previous list of five, self-hatred, fear, worry, punishment, 
and legalism. But there are plenty more, and I have those listed in the mind map. Her self, self-reliant solutions gave her varying degrees of results. Some of them felt good in that they brought temporary relief to life and relationships, but sadly, none of them ultimately worked. Even substantial Christian counseling didn't work because the fly in the ointment was her broken relationship with God the Father. What you want to do with a person like Mabel is you want to set her free. She needs a new starting point. Her starting point can't be functional unbelief, can't be fear. Our starting point will always define the journey as well as how we end. If you want to change the way you do life, you have to start at the beginning. The beginning is your presupposition. Your presupposition is the thing that comes before anything else. In the case of every person, you, me, and everyone else, regardless of our allegiances, our presupposition is how we think about God. Our view of God, whether right or wrong, will determine the kind of life we will experience. God is the ultimate presupposition. In the beginning was God, Genesis 1-1. He was before all things, which makes him the starting point for any belief system. Satan, unbelievers, nominal Christians, authentic believers have a view of God, a view that determines and shapes the course of of our lives. Mabel's view of God was skewed, a misguided starting point that set the course of her life. Her parents' primary job was to teach her a right view of God, but they failed miserably. Through their poor example and corrupted teaching, it left Mabel with no choice but to be self-reliant. She was like the proverbial dog tossed in the lake and told to sink or swim. By the way, both of those options are poor you sink, well, that's obvious. But if you learn to swim, well, guess what? You're going to learn to be self-reliant. And so Mabel became self-reliant. Mabel had to figure out how to swim using only her strengths, her abilities, which were motivated by fear. This option not only crippled her, but it put a strain on all of her relationships. Mabel needed to be set free. She needed a different type of introduction to the true and living God, her heavenly Father the one who loves her immeasurably and would go so far as to crush his one and only son to save her soul. The process for Mabel to be set free, well, I listed that process in the mind map. Mabel's thoughts have been captivated by the things that are not true. Several false arguments have captured her brain space. Collectively, they have beaten her into submission. These thought arguments have subjugated her for so long that it is nearly impossible for her to realize what she is doing to herself. The path to freedom will come after she establishes several bibliocentric tributaries that must flow in and out of her mind, washing her mind with the water of the word. She will need a support team to help her with this process. Her husband will be a crucial discipler, plus a few close and patient friends. Her team must be well-versed with the mind map that I have here in this article. They must be well-versed with the process. They must have a theologically precise understanding of her, Mabel. Now, I have 11 what I call thought tributaries, ways to wash her mind, to cleanse her mind, hopefully to release these thought arguments that have enslaved her. And I would recommend all 11 of these to you to help her, or if you are her, I recommend them to 
you. If you know someone like Mabel, perhaps you could print this article off. Someone just wrote in today and said, hey, I want to print off this article. It was another article they were referring to. Please print it off, share it, give it to a friend, or just send the link to the website. I recommend that you do that for her, that you, you help her. Also, this mind map, print it off. Work through it. Take it to your uh, small group, to your Bible study, and thoroughly unpack the mind map so that you can help the Mabel in your community. I'm not going to get into these 11 things here in this article as far as how to help Mabel. You can do that for yourself. Go to the website, rickthomas.net. Look for this article, Mind Map in a Lady with a Small God. You can read everything that I just shared with you. You can slow it down at your own pace. You can take this mind map and you can pull it apart. Visually, it will help you. You can see these, this cluster of, of five sin patterns in her life, legalism, punishment, worry, fear, hatred, self-hatred, and how they stack up in her life and what she's doing to herself. And then you can start walking through the process of setting her free. You can look at these 11 thought tributaries, 11 things, these tributaries that will flow into her mind to give her a, a cleansing of her brain to help her within the context of community. If you want to talk about this, please come to our website. Go to our community forum. If you're not a supporting member, get on the, the free community forum. Now, make sure we get this question somewhat regularly. I couldn't get into only your forum. Well, you have to be logged in. And so do your username and password. Those things, there's no cost for that. You, once you get your username and your password and you're logged in, then you're good to go. And then you can ask your questions. Supporting member, you move over to the private side of our site and you ask there. Talk directly to me and my team. Let us serve you. We are an interactive ministry. We don't just produce content and throw it out there. We want to engage you with it. Let us do that. The podcast, Mind Mapping, a lady with a small God. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.